Amen. Appreciate that. Thank you for that. If you have your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter number 6. And last week we talked about the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. And uh, tonight we're going to, the, the chapter really continues along that same theme, but uh, we're going to look at the idea of deliverance from sin. And as we continue through the book of Romans, we can see that Paul is dealing with sanctification. Of course, in the first uh, few chapters there that we really looked at, chapters 3 and 4, and uh, he really is covering justification, and that really is salvation. And, and salvation is instantaneous. It happens the moment that you call on Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior. It is not a process. Some people uh, think that, well, salvation is a process and you grow into it. No, no, that's not salvation. Salvation is instantaneous. In other words, the moment uh, that you cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ and that you put your faith and trust in Him, then you are saved. The Bible says in John 3.36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And so the moment that you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you were saved instantaneously. There's no uh, changing that. There's no going back. There is no erasing that. You're saved. But sanctification is a lifelong process. Uh, Paul, in the gospel, or in, the, uh, in his letter uh, in Philippians, uh, he gives us some, some clues and some ideas uh, in living the Christian life and living a sanctified life. And he says, uh, forgetting those things, he says, that are in the past, I press toward the mark. Now, this was the Apostle Paul. And in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, the Apostle Paul was probably one of the greatest Christians, uh, at least that we're aware of, that we know of, who wrote uh, the majority of the New Testament. And so I have a high regard for the Apostle Paul. And I think to myself, if anybody had arrived, if anybody had made it to that state to say, man, I have been sanctified, it would be the Apostle Paul. But he did not. He said, I press toward the mark. In other words, I'm still working at it. And I'm not perfect in my life, but I'm striving to live right and to do right. So sanctification is a lifelong process of maturity, growth, and spiritual surrender to God. And this is relevant to every born-again Christian. This is where the rubber meets the road. We have discussed being made righteous in justification and at the moment of salvation, and this is how we live righteously. Um, every one of us have two natures inside of us, our old sinful nature and the new nature that God has given us and the Spirit of the living God that dwells within us. And in the book of Galatians, Paul wrote, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. And so we have two natures, and they're absolutely diametrically opposed. They are, they are different. I mean, uh, you ever see the, uh, the cartoons with the little, you know, the bad angel that comes and sits on this shoulder and the good angel that comes and sits on this shoulder? Uh, listen, that is the Christian's life every single day. You have that, that, that old nature that's saying, hey, do this. Hey, that guy wronged you, man. Wouldn't it be good to, to get him back and spine him and get him good? And, and, and then God's saying, 
listen, don't do that. That's not Christian. That's not right. And so we have that argument going on every single day in our life. An old Indian man was wanting to teach his grandchild about the two natures. And, in, and, and the man describes it as having a good wolf and a bad wolf inside of you. And the bad wolf often causes hate and selfishness and anger and evil speaking and uh, revenge. And the good, good wolf uh, causes love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness. And, uh, and the, the grandson was saying, well, well, which one of those wolves is going to win inside of me? And the grandfather uh, so wisely said, whichever one you feed more, he's going to win. He's going to grow more. And we need to feed our spiritual side uh, so, that, uh, so that we can, so that the bad side, the old nature, can be put off, as the Bible says, and we can put on that new nature. In Galatians chapter number 6 and verse number 12, we find this. The Bible says, I love this verse in verse number 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you for the opportunity, again, the privilege that we have to be in your house and, Father, to hear from you and, God, to uh, listen to your word and to be able to sing the songs of praise to you. And, God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, more importantly than anything, I pray that you'd help us to get a grasp on what your word uh, is saying to us. And, God, I pray that you would help us to live a life that is pleasing to you and a life that would bring honor and glory to you all throughout the week. God, I pray that you would strengthen us and help us to live the sanctified life. And Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at these verses, I want to go back and just recap a little bit of, of the last chapter. I don't know if I conveyed the thought uh, sufficiently last week, but look at with me at verse, just verse 11. It, it recaps all of what was said in the first, uh, first 10 verses there. But in verse number 11, he says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And, uh, and that deliverance that we have, understand that positionally we are dead uh, with Christ in our, to our sins. In other words, hey, he said later, he said that body of sin might be destroyed and, and we don't have to live to that sin. We have to consider ourselves dead to that sin. And that's kind of what we covered. And positionally, we are dead to sin. And we don't have to live into sin. Uh, the Bible says in Luke 9.23, and he said to them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What a great verse. That verse is repeated uh, in, in at least three of the four Gospels. And, uh, and it's a wonderful verse because the truth of the matter is, hey, daily, daily, maybe hourly, 
We have to deny ourselves and say, you know what, that's what, that's what I want to do, but that's not what God wants me to do. And I don't want to live after my desires, but I want to live after God's desires. And so he says, hey, we're dead to that sin, and we have, uh, we have the ability to deny ourselves. We don't have to fall into sin. We don't have to follow that sinful, uh, selfish desires that we had. And denying ourselves is uh, setting aside all of our desires and taking God's will. And that's what God wants in our life. But then the second half of that verse, I love, he says, uh, not only consider yourself or reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but he says, alive unto God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we're to consider ourselves dead to sin, and we're to consider ourselves alive to God. This is done through the Spirit of God. Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 13, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Listen, that's... That's through the help of the Spirit. We're going through the fruits of the Spirit in the adult Sunday school class, and uh, I've been enjoying it. We've been taking one fruit at a time and just kind of uh, going through Scripture and finding all the applications of it. And, and we find that, listen, naturally, we don't have the ability within ourselves to produce all of that fruit. Uh, even you just take one uh, and you say, uh, goodness, or today we talked about faithfulness. And we realize that, hey, in and of ourselves, we are not able to produce that faith and that faithfulness of years of service to God through ourselves. We'll fail. We'll, we'll mess up. Uh, goodness or uh, the other one, some of the others, love, joy, peace that we have. And, and listen, we might be able to put on a little bit of joy every now and then. But listen, it's God that provides that constant source of joy. And, and He does that by saying, hey... It's not, it's not your life to live. You're living for God. You're following God with your life. And you need to be surrendered to the Spirit of God and allowing the Spirit to control you. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And I've used this verse before, and I've explained this before, but listen, uh, he gives a good illustration there, because listen, when you're drunk with wine, you know what happens? Uh, you drink, and, and that wine or that alcohol takes over your body. And you know what you start to do? You start to act like somebody else. You don't really act like who you are. Uh, you, you know, you, some people get more angry. Some people get more jovial. Some people get... It changes your personality in all reality. And it controls you. And he says, listen, that's what I want the Spirit to do to you. I want you to be so filled with the Spirit and so surrendered to the Spirit that, that when the Spirit says, hey... Uh, I, want you to, uh, I want you to witness to that fellow. Listen, we ought to be sensitive to the Spirit of God in our life. And when the Spirit says, hey, that thing, you ought not be doing that thing. And you're like, oh, that's the Spirit of God. And He's trying to keep me right. And I don't want to do wrong, therefore I'm going to submit to the Spirit of God and I'm not going to do uh, whatever that thing is that tempts me and tries to draw me away. That is being controlled and being filled with the Spirit. And you say, well man, what a, 
what a, what a, what a dull life. No, actually, the Bible says here uh, that we're alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse number 10, He said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Listen, I find that the Christian life is rather a joyful life. I don't have to live with the guilt of saying, well, I did this and I did that. Or the guilt of saying, man, I don't remember what I did last night. I don't remember where I was. I don't remember the actions that took place. You know what? I can live with a clean and clear mind saying, man, I remember. Uh, I remember that I did this or I, I had a good time and that I enjoyed my life. And, and, and I don't have to worry about, uh, well, you know, I wonder if this is going to catch up to me because I, you can mark it down. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. It is going to catch up to you. But listen, if you live a good life and you live a right life and you don't, you don't live in the sin and you don't live for the flesh, hey, you can say, I don't have to worry about it catching up to me because there's nothing to catch up to me. I can follow God and I can live a good life and I can, I can smile and I can, have a, uh, I can have all the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, contentment. Uh, and listen, sin will kill that. It will destroy love. It will destroy joy. It will destroy peace. It will destroy contentment. Uh, but, but listen, living a Christian life and being alive unto God, hey, gives us a clear, clean life. We can say, man, I can live for God. And listen, young people that are here, the, the things that God asks us to do, the sanctification that He's asking of us, is not to keep you from having fun. It is to keep you safe from the wickedness that lives in the world and allow you to grow up and say, man, I'm glad I didn't mess up my life in that way. I'm glad that my, my parents cared about me and they, they guided me and they tried to help me and keep me in the right. And I'm glad that, uh, that I didn't mess up my life in, in this or in that. Listen, there are a lot of people that had, their, have had their lives messed up that, that I'm sure are thinking, man, I wish I had somebody that would have guided me. I'm sure there's Christian kids out there that have messed up their life that would say and would tell you, I wish I had lived my life in accordance to the Word of God. Because listen, God's not trying to keep you from fun. God's trying to keep you clean so you can be guilt-free in your life. And you can have a clean conscience before God. And you can live with God. We've been delivered from that body of sin. It's been destroyed as we see. Uh, and we're dead. We ought to consider ourselves dead to that sin. Look with me at verse number 12 that we read there. And, uh, and we see the defeat of a king. He gives an illustration here in verse number 12. He says, let not sin therefore. And what's that therefore? Therefore, it's because of all that he just said in 1 through 11. That we're dead to sin and that uh, we're alive unto Jesus Christ. And because we're dead to sin and we're alive to Jesus Christ, he said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Not only do we see the deliverance in verse 11, we see the defeat of a king in verse number 12, he, down, down through 14. He gives us the idea that, hey, sin is not to reign in our mortal bodies. What does that mean? It means he's, he's saying, listen, he's kind of given us the idea that sin was king in our life before. Before you got saved, sin was king in your life. Sin did dominate you. But now what he's saying is because you are dead to sin and alive in Jesus Christ, he's saying this. 
He's saying, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. You know what that means? He's saying, it has no authority over your life. You know what that means? Sin will come and tempt you and say, hey, why don't you do this? Hey, why don't you come here? Hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you fall into this? And, and you know what? You can tell sin. You can tell temptation. You have no authority over top of me. Because Jesus Christ has bought me and changed my life. And it has no authority in your life. It no longer can boss you around. And you have no reason to submit to that sin in your life and the temptation. And what I'm saying is, hey, uh, we ought not surrender to that sin. We ought not to give in to those things because it does not have the authority in our life. That's what it's talking about. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof because it has no authority in your life. Look at verse number 13. He says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of of unrighteousness unto sin. In other words, in the verse 12, we have no authority. In verse number 13, there's no allowance. He's saying, listen, do not allow your life to be used by sin. Listen, the devil will come to you, and the world will come to you, and your flesh will tempt you to use this, this little tongue right here, that, as an instrument of evil. It will. And I'm telling you, it can flare up so easily and it's so quick. And I'm telling you, there's sometimes you just, man, words slip out faster and you say, whoa, I want to get those back, but they're gone. You say, man, I probably shouldn't have said that. And listen, we need to be careful because uh, our own flesh will, will use the tongue for wrong. And not just our tongue, that's just one example of our members. Uh, I've often said that, um, or I've used rather the illustration of a guitar or the piano. I can't play the piano. Wouldn't you be amazed if I sat down and I played like Bach and, and, and stuff like that? I can't do that, all right? But, but that, that is an instrument, And that's what he's comparing it to. He's saying, listen, your body is merely an instrument. You know, we have this piano and uh, and, and praise the Lord, Miss Coons can play the piano and she can play hymns and she can play gospel. But you know what? That thing is just an instrument. If somebody else were to come up here, you could play rock and roll on that piano. Now, I I wouldn't allow you. I would not let you. I would not permit it. But that thing could could play. It has the potential of playing rock and roll on a piano. Yeah, on a piano. I don't know. I don't know how to do that because I don't play the piano. But I'm saying it's just an instrument. And the Bible is comparing our bodies to an instrument that can be used for good or can be used for bad. And listen, you are the one that needs to decide how is my body going to be used. For what purpose am I going to use my tongue? For what purpose am I going to use my hands? For what purpose am I going to use my feet? For what purpose am I going to use my mind? For what purpose am I going to use my ears? Because these are all instruments that belong to my body. And listen, sin has no authority over them any longer. That didn't used to be the case. Now we have a choice. Now we can decide and say, I am not going to allow my hands to be used for wickedness. I'm not going to allow my mind to be used for wickedness. I'm not going to allow my tongue to be used for wickedness. I want my members and I desire my hands and my feet and my mouth and my tongue and my, uh, my, my ears and my mind and all, all of me, my entire body, to be used 
for the honor and glory of God. And it's that simple. He says, yield not, yield ye your members as instruments. Neither, rather, let me start from the very beginning. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. And he says, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So there's no allowance. You should not allow sin. There's no authority in our, in our life for sin to, to, to reign over us. Verse number 14, he says this, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Ye are not under the law, but under grace. So we have no authority, no allowance, and no dominion. Dominion is sovereign or supreme authority, the power of governing and controlling. Sin is no longer in control of your body. Can I tell you something? That means sinful addictions are broken by the victory that Christ offers. We've discussed this before, and, uh, and, and uh, a friend of mine, he, he uh, works with some people that, that really work in AA, and one of the he said one of the fallacies and one of the problems of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is their lack of introducing God. Many people go through the program and, and for a while those people will do well, but after a while they'll fall right back into it. Why? Because sin dominates their life. It controls them. And without God in your life, you will not be able to break that power of dominion over your life. But listen, as a Christian, as somebody who's saved, as somebody who's born again, sin does not have to dominate your life. That's not to say you'll be perfect. That's not to say you won't be tempted. Uh, listen, I, I've talked with people that uh, have been saved for a long time and, and they used to have problems with addiction. And, and listen, even after they've been saved and even after a long time of being saved, uh, they'll still have temptations will still come across their way. It happens. But we shouldn't be dominated by that sin. We pray and we ask God, God, give me the strength to overcome. And, and God gives us a promise that, hey, uh, where there's temptation, He will make a way of escape. And listen, uh, He has given us the power to break that temptation and that addiction in our life. We have deliverance uh, from sin. We have the defeat of, of sin in our bodies or defeat of, king, of a king. Then verse 15 down through 23, we find the displacement of sin in our bodies. Look in verse number 15. He says, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. This is kind of similar to the first verse, but a little bit different in, that, in his wording of it. And he's saying, well, listen, if there's no law and there's no consequence and we're not under the law any longer and we're under grace, then hey, why not live our life? The way we want. And he says, no, 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 that's not right. Uh, we should not do that. He says, God forbid, in verse number 15. And he goes on in verse number 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or, uh, or of obedience unto righteousness. And listen, and, and go, go on verse number 17. But God be thanked, 
that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye become the servants of righteousness. Listen, we have a new liberty in our life. And that liberty is to serve God. Not serve self, but we don't have to serve sin any longer. We can now serve God with our life. That was not an option before. That would, that's a new option to somebody who's saved, to somebody who's born again. That's an option to say, hey, I, can, I don't have to continue in this sin. I don't have to continue my life in that direction. I now can live my life serving God with my life. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, we used to be servants of sin. We used to be in slavery and bondage to that sin. But now we are free and now we have a new liberty. Not a liberty to live as we please and do what we want, but rather a liberty liberty to live and serve God with our life. You know, there, in our flesh, before we were saved, there is no way that we could please God. Nothing. There was no action that we could do. There was nothing that, that we could do in our life that would, bring, uh, that would be pleasing to God. But once we get saved, hey, we have the option to be able to please God with our life, to live right. To do right. We have that new liberty uh, that that will come. And listen, uh, we ought to have that desire to serve God. We ought to have that desire to live right. Uh, We ought to be disgusted with sin in our own lives. Listen, so many times I tell you what, we're we're disgusted with so-and-so and and their sin. Boy, that just makes me sick. Listen, we ought to be disgusted with our own sin. I mean, I'm telling you, if we got serious about sin and we got seriously disgusted with our own sin... And what a change would come in our life. We ought to be more concerned with ourselves and our sin and say, man, I don't want to do that. We ought to live right. We have that liberty to do right. Listen, in verse 19 and 20, we have, not only do we have a new liberty, but in 19 and 20, we have a new loyalty. Look with me in verse number 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. We, were, we had no righteousness before we were saved. But praise the Lord now. You can live a right life, and you can have righteousness, and you can have holiness in your life. Uh, That's not to say you'll be perfect, but listen, we have a choice, and our loyalty ought to be to serve God and to do right and to live right in our life. We ought to say, God, help me to be loyal to your righteousness, to living right, to holiness, to doing what God wants to do, to dedicate ourselves to the little good angel that that you can picture standing on your shoulder. If you would just think of that, I I hope you think of that all week long. I hope it plagues you. I hope you'll go go throughout the week and that little good angel will pop up and you'll say, yeah, pastor talked about that this week. And God will remind you to live right because our loyalty ought to be for Christ. Listen, he gave everything for us. Man, what, how, 
why, why is it so difficult for us to surrender ourselves to Him when He did everything for us and He paid our way of salvation for all of eternity in heaven? I've often thought, if God didn't do another thing for me the rest of my life, He's done enough already. He saved me. He guaranteed me a home in heaven. And, and if that's all He ever did for me, I have a responsibility to live for Him out the rest of my days and let everyone else know, hey, that Jesus Christ loves you, He cares about you, He died on the cross for you, and He wants you to have life in heaven. That's what we ought to do. Our loyalty should be to Christ and to righteousness. Look at verse number 21. As we continue down through our text, he says there in verse number 21, he said, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? He's talking about serving sin and not being able to do righteousness. And he says, listen, uh, in those things we were ashamed. For the end of those things is death. That's kind of a sad verse, for, to be honest with you. Look at verse number 22. But now... Praise the Lord for salvation. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and, to, and the end everlasting life. Praise the Lord. Before you were saved, you looked down the end of that road, and can I tell you, it ends in death. And it ends in eternal separation to God from God in hell. But now that you're saved, and you look down that road and you say, man, this is a road of righteousness. This is a, this is a much, not necessarily an easier way, uh, but a nicer way to go. Because listen, my life uh, can be so much more enjoyable without all the guilt of, of sin and the penalty of sin and, and all the things that go with that, much less the end of that. And the fact that, hey, it's going to cut off my life and leave me hanging at the end of my life with no hope and no, uh, no, no blessing in my life. But listen, being saved, we get to walk down a new road. Hey, and our life can be completely different. And we can write a new, uh, a new chapter, I guess, for our life because of the road and the path that we're on. And we have new longevity in this life. And the Bible goes on there in verse 23, and he sums it up, those few verses, he sums those up and he says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Some could read verse 22 and you would stop and you'd scratch your head and say, well, it's a works-based salvation. And he goes on in verse 23 and he sums it up and says, no, it's a gift that God gave us eternal life at the time of salvation. But listen, we can live our life here in this life in a holy fashion, in a righteous fashion in a, a choosing to do right in our life. And people might look at you and they might say, well, that's strange. I wonder why that guy didn't retaliate. That's strange. I wonder why that guy didn't, uh, didn't, didn't chew him up one side and down the other when he, when he probably should have. And you could say, well, it's not because I didn't want to. It's because that good angel popped up on my shoulder. God pricked my heart and said, don't do that. Live right. Do right. And listen, God will bless you for it. And I'm telling you, you can have a joyful life as a Christian being delivered 
from the chains and bondage of sin. The difference is like being a slave or being a free man under God. That's what he's comparing. Being a prisoner, to being in bondage and imprisoned to sin, or being a free man that says, man, I'd rather serve God. He's a ten times better master than the world and sin and the devil will ever be to us. What a privilege that we have as Christians to live a sanctified life, a life that's right, a life that is righteous, a life that is pleasing, a life that is, yes, even holy to God. What a privilege we have as Christians to be able to live our life that way. Not be burdened down with the weight of sin and the weight of the world. The Bible says in, in Hebrews, it says, um, setting aside every weight of sin that doth so easily beset us. Listen, sin will weigh you down. It will keep you back. But you get rid of that and you can be free and you can be clear and you can live for God. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, we're delivered from sin. I'm glad chapter 6 is in the Bible. It's very clear to us. He tells us that we are free from sin. Father, we thank you for the salvation. Truly, God, the so great a salvation that we have. And God, the moment we got saved, the moment we put our faith and trust in you, we're grateful and we're thankful, God, that you saved us, that you changed our life for all of eternity. And God, we ask you to help us on a daily basis, an hourly basis, to live our life for you. God, we'll still struggle with sin, we'll still face temptation, we'll still mess up and fail, but God, help us to choose wisely in our life on a regular basis and to follow you in our life and to exercise that new liberty, that new loyalty, God, that new longevity of life that will last for so long. God, what a blessing. Help us not to be selfish. Help us to turn the throne of our heart over to you. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God spoke into your heart, maybe you just want to thank him for that salvation. Maybe you want to thank him for the uh, freedom that you have from sin. Maybe you want to ask him to help you. To live right, to do right, to sanctify your life. To choose right in your life. Whatever the need, as the piano plays.